Jesus, we give you all of the glory, all of the praise, Lord. You deserve it all, Lord. Not to us, not to us, but to your name be the glory. Father, we bless you today. We honor you, Jesus. You're worthy, Lord, You're worthy this morning. Lord, today we invite you to come and feed us our daily bread, Lord. Oh God, how we need you, Lord. More than yesterday, Lord, we need you today, Jesus. We need you, Lord. As the body of Christ, we need your strengthening and encouraging, Lord, that we might continue in the work you've called us to do, Lord. So God, may you speak to us today. May you give us an ear to hear what the Spirit would say to the church. God, increase our faith today by hearing the word of God, Lord. Lord, we pray if there's any unbelief resting in us, you would rid us of that and that faith would set in today, Lord. We can leave here trusting in you today, Lord. God, fill us with your spirit today, Lord, that we might be empowered to do your work, Lord. And God, fill us with strength and grace, Lord, to love others, Lord, as we love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We need you today, Jesus, and we thank you, Lord. And it's in Jesus' name we pray today. Amen. Amen. Well, before we get started this morning, I want to tell you about a couple things happening here. Uh, you know, thank God for the ministry of the hearts of many volunteers and people who love the Lord and love their neighbor as themselves of helping and serving people all across this peninsula. And thank God on, on Sunday mornings, there's nine o'clock happening over here in the Family Life Center. There's breakfast and clothing and showers available. And Tuesday night, a meal is prepared over here and then sent downtown by van. And then on Wednesday, a truckload of food comes in from one of our volunteers and is unloaded and laid out on tables and people from all across the community to come and get all the groceries they need. And then even on uh, Thursdays at one o'clock, food is loaded up again and taken right down here to Oyster Point Place apartments and given to uh, other people who are in need of food. And there's so much of incoming and outgoing of food and supplies. And in addition to that is all the transportation that happens, bus rides going, Wednesday night meal at 6, uh, six o'clock. There's vans that go downtown, other places across the peninsula, and get people here. And as you can see, all of that uh, adds up to a lot, of, a lot of people that are involved and a lot of people who are working throughout the week and volunteers. And we're at a phase of our ministry where it's an exciting phase because now we're at a phase where we realize that our faithful volunteers, they're doing excellent work, but we need some more faithful volunteers to keep that work going. And so if God has placed it on your heart to serve, whether it's on Wednesday night or uh, helping prepare a meal or driving a van or helping transport people, however it might be, or accompanying a, a bus driver to load and unload, whatever it might be, there are so many great opportunities to get involved and use the gifting that God has given us. And uh, I thank God for all that is happening, all the moving parts, but it takes a lot of uh, grease, uh, meaning people, to make those moving parts 
to keep operating. And so if that is God's place that in your heart, we'd love to have your help. Uh, kids ministry as well. There's so many great opportunities. And uh, Miss Wanda is going to be in the lobby today. If you'd like to get involved, you could put your name down. And if there's a particular ministry that's on your heart, let her know. She'd love to get that information and we'll follow up with you. And with all of that being said, we are approaching a new fall season and our food pantry is in need of uh, to be restocked. And if God has put it in your heart, uh, we're in need of canned meats. We're in need of pastas and soups and ramen noodles. And starting uh, this coming up week, there's going to be a donation area in the Welcome Center where you can bring all of those things in addition to coats and sleeping bags as we approach the fall season and trying to help those in our community who are without homes, providing them with coats and sleeping bags and others who may need them. So many great ways this fall to use our gifting, our times, talents, and treasures for the Lord. So pray about that however God would lead you to be a part of that. This morning I want to go to a chapter in the Bible that I seem to visit a lot, but we're going to visit it again today. In Acts chapter 1 this morning. But before we do that, I want to tell you a little bit about prayer meeting. About the history of prayer meeting. You know, uh, for some time now, well, thank God we've been uh, on Wednesdays gathering faithfully here, praying, having prayer meeting. And sometimes, you know, I think when we have prayer meeting and maybe you're new to the body of Christ, you're new to the faith, and you maybe that's a new phrase to you, a new terminology as it is for all of us at some point in our lives. Uh, I have to ask the question, you know, what, what, is, what is the history of prayer meeting and what is prayer meeting all about and why do we have prayer meeting and why has the church been praying and having prayer meetings? And I know that may sound like a redundant question in many ways, but it's an important question for us to explore. And I hope it will give value to what uh, is happening here. And some time ago in January, uh, God placed it in our hearts as we were gathering here in the new year through the month of prayer and fasting. And we began to seek the Lord and ask God for direction for the year. And God put it in the hearts of our uh, leadership to say, uh, we've been gathering in this place and we felt like we needed to take a season of our church into meeting in the choir room. And you think, well, what's the difference between moving from one room to another? And uh, those questions we'll answer in just a few moments. Uh, but in that season, it's been a wonderful season to be together in praying and being together with one another and having time to fellowship with one another and all of that. And all of that is intentional uh, through the Bible, that there were times where the body of Christ was together eating and there was times where the body of Christ was together praying and worshiping the Lord together. And it's the, really the ultimate picture of the church. And so the history of prayer meeting, I just want to tell you a few little things about where did prayer meeting come about? Why, why did prayer meeting ever exist? Apart from the book of Acts, uh, you can trace back some pictures of history uh, throughout the, the early centuries there up until about the 1500s. You see these small little gatherings of people around the world, but it wasn't really until about the 1600s or so that people began to have the heart to pray as a, as a corporate body of Christ to have a service during their week where they said, this is the service where we are going to pray. And so during the early 1600s in Ireland, groups of believers gathered together and began praying. 
And the amazing thing that happened was, and this is a theme through everything I'm about to tell you, that every, every place that this happened, that they began to gather to pray, and it spread like wildfire. Churches all across Ireland began to pray, and God was beginning to draw people into these movements of prayer, and wonderful things began to happen in the body of Christ, and the body of Christ began to grow in ways they could have never thought or imagined. And then later on, that, that move of prayer that was happening in Ireland hopped over to Scotland. And God began to do some wonderful things in Scotland about 100 years later. And this is what's amazing to me is that the move of prayer that started in Scotland started, watch this, with children. Children were gathering in a schoolhouse to do their normal schoolwork. And they decided to come and talk to their teacher and said, hey, teacher, we want to have some time where we pray. And so this was about eight or nine-year-olds, three or four of them gathered together. And then it became a theme in schools across Scotland. These children, get this, children, eight or nine-year-olds, began to pray and seek the Lord. And God began to work across the nation in such a way that it spread, once again, like wildfire. Churches began to grow and people began to see God move on the earth. And the children inspired the adults and said, well, it's working for the children, then we must need to do it. And so then the adults began to have prayer meeting. Isn't it a wonderful thought? The child shall lead them, the Bible says. And that is what happened there in Scotland. Spread like wildfire in the 1700s. And of course, prayer meeting didn't stop there. That thought and that fervency continued to spread. And it would, it would come back again to Ireland and Scotland later on. And then Jonathan Edwards would pick up the heart for prayer once again and begin to lead the Puritans and many others in a time of seeking the Lord and dedicated times of praying and saying, we as the people of God, we have to have times where we're gathered to pray. This spread once again into, after 1700s, Jonathan Edwards, his, his error passed away. A new error was raised up in the late 1860s, or in the early 1860s, during the time of the Civil War, and tensions in the nation are crazy. Uh, and people began to say, this started with six men, get this, six men gathered and said, on a noon day, we are going to have a regular time where we gather together together to pray as the body of Christ. And these six men gathered together and they began to pray. An amazing thing happened. These six men began to pray and across the next, the years of the Civil War, prayer meetings began to spring up, not just in New York where it started, but all across the nation. It spread from New York to Chicago, to Philadelphia, to Los, all, all across the country. All over the place, prayer meetings began to spark. People were packing theaters. People were packing places. Not to come hear a preacher, I want to remind you. They weren't gathering together and say, let's come hear the, the most popular preacher or the greatest choir that we've ever heard. They were gathering together and packing out places to pray. And it spread like wildfire. This went on. And as a matter of fact, what happened in the 1860s was so significant that it spread and leaped over to Britain and leaped back over to Scotland and Ireland and all across the British Isles and people and not even there, everywhere across the planet. These prayer meetings began to spark off of this thing like wildfire. It was the first time that people could really map out that one prayer meeting had led to significant prayer meetings across the country and then across the world. And then others in the late 1860s like D.L. Moody and Spurgeon would come along and continue to lead public prayer meetings. And really, Charles Spurgeon was the first one to formalize and almost popularize what a prayer meeting was, to lead a, 
large gathering of believers to pray. And he is always consistently accredited with people coming to him and saying, how is your church so successful? How are you doing this? What is God doing? Packing out the Metropolitan Tabernacle. What in the world is going on? And Spurgeon would say, come, let me go show you a room. And he'd open up the door. And there in that little basement room, in that little private room, was a group of believers gathered to pray that never stopped praying continually. If this is what really happened in the history of the church, and that's just the 1600s to the 1800s, let alone what would happen in the early 1900s in Azusa when believers would gather together to pray once again, and it would spread like wildfire across the world. If this is what happened in the history of the church, if the church saw monumental moves of God across the earth in response to prayer, there's a lot for us to learn from that, to look back and say, if God was working through them in prayer meeting and leading them through public times of prayer, then what is it that you and I can learn today? And so this morning, I want to talk to you for a few moments about why pray, why pray. Of course, there's lots of reasons why we might as individuals pray, but I want to speak to the point of why we as a church should pray, why we as God's people should pray, and not just, not just little C, all nations church, but big capital C church. Because really we see in the book of Acts, as we're going to read here today in Acts chapter 1, that the first instruction that Jesus gave the church, that he gave them as a believer, as body of Christ, before he was to ascend, was to gather for a time of having prayer. It was the first prayer meeting that had ever been called. And the first person who called the prayer meeting was Jesus. And ever since then, prayer meetings have been spinning off of that one where Jesus called it. And it's, what, it's a lesson to us about how prayer works and why prayer is important. And really, this is not so much a message for just today. It's a message for the future of whatever God is going to do at All Nations Church or through the body of Christ. This is a message really to say this is a moment to mark that if God is going to do anything significant or great, it's going to be through the prayer meeting of the church. As Spurgeon once said, he preached a sermon titled, Only a Prayer Meeting. And he said this, We shall never see much change for the better in our churches in general until the prayer meeting occupies a higher place in the esteem of Christians. And oh, isn't that so true? And so this morning, we're going to read here today in Acts chapter 1 and verse 5. Or verse 4. Jesus was speaking to them on one occasion while he was eating with them, and he gave this command, do not leave Jerusalem. It's easy to pass that little verse there, that little section over. It's easy to kind of miss that. But everything that was about to happen in Jerusalem required them to go to a place of prayer. And their instruction was, don't even leave Jerusalem until this happens first. Don't go away from this point in time. Don't even try to operate as a church. Don't try to do anything. Don't leave Jerusalem. But wait for the gift my Father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. He's speaking about the coming of the Holy Spirit. And he uses a word there that says, wait for the gift my father promised. Some older translations use a word there called tarry, which is a sense of waiting with expectancy, which we'll come back to in a few moments. 
And we'll skip over to verse 12. And then they returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath or or a Sabbath day's walk from the city. And when they arrived, watch what they did. They went upstairs to the room where they were staying. And those present were, look at all the people who were present. Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, the zealot, and Judas, son of James. And they all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. And of course, you can read Acts chapter 2 and see the results of this prayer meeting that led to the coming of the Holy Spirit, filling them, empowering them to do the work of God. They had no talent. They had no abilities. But when they went to the place of prayer and waited upon the Lord, the Holy Spirit empowered them to do the work of God. And so why pray? Why pray? There's a word that Jesus used here that's important when we're talking about prayer. And it's a word that is so overlooked in conversations today about prayer. And it's this word here. It's a simple word, but boy, it's a word that we as Americans hate. It's called wait. Sometimes I think the DMV is good for us so we can learn how to wait. Sometimes I think traffic is good for us so we can learn how to wait. Because we have missed the art of waiting. We have got the art down of doing very well. We can march light along, do whatever we want. We've got that down. But waiting, no. Waiting requires faith. Waiting requires some uh, elements that come from the Spirit that are hard to grasp. And waiting means this. Wait means to, as this word that is used here, is a word where we get our way, our word that uh, leads to permanence or permanent. It's a word that means to wait, to remain in a place and or a state with expectancy. It's not to just sit there and do nothing. It's not there to just sit there and twiddle your thumbs and just wait and say, well, I'm just passing time. No, it's a waiting with expectancy. It's a waiting with hope. It's a waiting with there's an anticipation that something is right around the corner. It's a waiting with the sign of I know that when I call upon the Lord, I feel like he hasn't heard me, but I will wait. Because I know that God's word is true. That if he says, ask and you shall receive, then it's not always immediate, but it requires me to wait. And oh, how hard that is for the believers. Oftentimes, we would rather, as the American church especially, we would rather march ahead with our plans and then ask God to catch up and bless our plans. But that's not how Jesus taught us to pray. Jesus said, when you pray, pray pray this way. Lord, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that praying is an act that says, I can't move forward. I can't even act. I can't even function until, God, your will comes down and is revealed. And then when your will is revealed, then we can move. Then we can act because we understand and know God's will. To wait means to be patient upon the Lord. It means to wait with expectancy. It means to tarry. And listen, there is no praying. There is no genuine praying without waiting. And there is no waiting without praying. They work intertwined. And they need each other to cooperate into what prayer really is. Because it's an act of faith. 
This is why God calls us as a church to pray. But once again, waiting is hard. Waiting is hard, especially in our fast-paced society. And I don't say these things to be critical. I say it to remind us of the point of the word of God, that waiting is an important act of a believer. I would argue that it is just as an important spiritual discipline as any of them. It's waiting upon the Lord. It is better to wait upon the Lord than to move ahead in my own plans and end up in destruction. It's better to wait upon the Lord and ask God to come and and people get impatient with me and say, well, I don't know. I'm waiting and asking God's direction. It's better to be ridiculed than to move ahead with our own plans. We are called to wait upon the Lord. And Isaiah promises in Isaiah 40 and 31 that those who wait... Those who come to the Lord, who are seeking him, those who are actively pursuing the Lord, those who wait upon the Lord, there is a promise of renewal. There's a promise of revival. So I want to explore a few things here with you from this text here. To wait means a few things here. And the first thing I want to show you is this. To wait means this. Presence over presentation. Presence over presentation. You'll notice here that the believers, when they gathered to pray, one of the things that there were, what happened here was they gathered simply in a room. It was as simple as can be. There were no tools. There were no methods. There were no programs. There was no stage. There was no thing there whatsoever. They had the simplicity of prayer. And oftentimes what happens is in our modern day church is we try to do the opposite. We try to first put on a presentation and then a hope that people will experience God's presence from our presentation. But that's not how the early church operated. The early church operated in such a way that said, Lord, we are going to wait in Jerusalem until your presence comes. And then when your presence comes, we're going to go in power and preach the gospel. And that's exactly what Peter did. When the power of God came and the presence of the Lord came, he didn't have a sermon no prepared in his life. He had nothing put together. He just stood up as people were making fun of them and gave a defense of the gospel. And it was the greatest presentation the church had ever seen of the gospel since then. Why? Because God's presence was over presentation. And when God's presence over presentation happened, It is the person who has learned to depend upon Jesus, to depend upon the Holy Spirit. What you're going to discover as we're talking about prayer meeting in a praying church is that there is no praying church without a spirit-filled church. A praying church is a church that waits for God's spirit to do the work of God. You and I, we can't do the work of God without the help of God. How can I preach a sermon that would help anybody without God's spirit giving me the words to say that would speak to your life? And it's the same for me if I was sitting in there of any preacher. We need God's spirit to do the work, serving and loving, and it requires presence over presentation and may we never get it confused that we try to put on a presentation and impress people and get people wooed by some artistry that we've done that the world uses that's not the way it works the bible says that when god's presence comes in first corinthians 14 it should be done in such a way and it will be done in such a way that the unbeliever When they come in and they see God's presence at work, they fall down on their face and says, oh, I know God really is among you. And they exclaim and look to Jesus 
And isn't it wonderful to know? And it relieves us on so many levels knowing I don't have to put on a show. I just have to seek God's presence. I just have to get on my face and say, Lord, we need your presence. We need your help. Programs have their place, but Jesus changes lives. God's presence lifts people up. God's presence is the one who heals the brokenhearted, sets the oppressed free. It's not going to be any presentation that does that. Only the presence of Jesus does that. It's presence over presentation. Secondly, we see this, that as the people were waiting there, there was a sense of expectancy. They knew that they were to wait for the gift that Jesus had promised them. They knew that they were to wait for the gift of the Holy Spirit. And they were waiting for God to come and encounter them. And when you to wait means and to pray means that we must have an encounter over entertainment. Encounter over entertainment. There was an, a sense of expectancy that God was going to do something. And you and I must have that same sense of waiting that we must encounter Jesus. Not only do we need personal encounters, we need corporate encounters. We need encounters, not just that we have day to day of our lives and we say, Jesus, we get before the Lord with our Bible and we pray and we have an encounter with the Lord and God encourages and strengthens us. But we need corporate encounters. And how better to have a, a corporate encounter other than a sense of waiting upon the Lord and believing in God's presence. The other thing you'll notice about their encounter over entertainment was oftentimes in our American Christianity is we have, and this is really not just American Christianity, but even in the history back to Edwards, there was an elevation of the speaker so that they were the point of attention and the people observed from a distance. And while there is a place for you and I to hear sermons and to be edified, the point was never to entertain a person. The point was to edify a person that they may also go and do the work, but oftentimes this has become twisted that we have become observers and not participators. But in the kingdom of God, there is never to be an observer that we are all participants in the kingdom of God. We all have a role in the kingdom. of God. That's what's so special about the kingdom of God is it's not made up of just pastors and the people of the platforms. It's everybody. That's what makes heaven so wonderful is that we all together get to be a part of it. And even so now, we are called to participate in the work of praying and waiting together. Not just one, two, or three people who feel like they have the gift of praying. That's wonderful. But all of us are called. The Bible says and went through great lengths to tell us. In that room was Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, Simon, Judas, Mary, and all of the other women and his brothers that were there. Jesus made it clear to you and I that all of the people were in there working together. Some of them were disciples that were directly appointed by the Lord, called together to follow him, the 12 apart from the 12. But there were also others who were there, all doing the work of God together. And the amazing thing that I've often thought about this is we hear rhetoric over and over and use in the churches that talks about we want revival, we desire revival. But listen, if we really want revival, 
If we really want to see God's presence come and refresh and renew and strengthen the body of Christ, then we must learn from the early believers that if prayer leads to an encounter with Jesus, then revival is only a few short steps away of just waiting upon the Lord. And what great words to us today. We want revival. Listen, you can have revival. You and I, we can have revival right now. It's right around the corner when God's people say, oh, Jesus, we need you. And God's presence comes down and begins to change us. That's revival. That's what revival looks like. When our hearts say, I'm no longer the way I used to be. I need God to change me and do a work in me. That is encounter over entertainment. No movie in Hollywood can do that. No production on the world can do that. Only Jesus can do that. And it comes by waiting upon the Lord. It's not easy. It requires faith. It requires us to sit and wait with Jesus and say, God, I can't see a thing happening right now. There's no movement in this room. Sometimes, Lord, I feel like I'm talking to the wall. But Lord, nevertheless, I believe your word. Your word is true. That you will answer him that calls upon you. That you will respond to the church that looks to you in prayer. It requires waiting upon the Lord in faith, encounter over entertainment. Thirdly, it's this. It's God's power over self-efforts. God's power over self-efforts. As the early believers, the Bible says they all join together constantly in prayer. We don't see them trying to plan the work of God. We don't see them trying to map it all out. We just see this simple statement. They all join together constantly in prayer with the expectancy that God's spirit is about to come and he's going to empower us to do the work of God. When you and I have times of prayer, when we have prayer meeting, it's the confession that only God can change somebody's heart. As Zechariah says to the, from the Lord, it's not by might nor by power, but by God's spirit, by God's power, by God's grace that it all happens the thing that is amazing to me is that the Bible teaches us in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6, to lean on the Lord, acknowledge Him in all of His ways. We know that verse. It's wonderful. We, we, we quote it and we know it. But it is also true of a praying church, is that a church that is propped up by their own strength will eventually grow weary. But a church that is propped up by Jesus will never fail. And that is what God has called of you and I, is to prop up all that we have on him and say, Lord, I can't even see where you're at in this thing, but I'm just going to lean on you. And may that be the case of all that God is going to do here. If whatever God wants to do, we're just propping up our strength on Jesus and say, we don't have all the answers. We don't have them mapped out. We don't always know what it's going to look like, but we know what God's word says. Lean on Jesus and trust in him and acknowledge him and in all of his ways, and he will direct our paths. And oh, what a word of hope today that you and I can take to Jesus. It's God's power over our self-efforts. Many people, D.L. Moody said this, many people think in today's, in, in his, he was speaking in his day, late 1800s, early 1900s, he was speaking in his day, he said many people think that we need a new piano or a new organ or a new choir or a new pastor or a new building, new this, new that, but he said it's not the new that we need, it's the old power that the apostles has. That is what we want, and if we have that in our churches, there will be 
new life. It's God's spirit. And listen, I want to remind us all today. God does not change. He has not changed from yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And if God's spirit was empowering the early church to do the work of God, then you and I can say, Lord, you are not a respecter of persons. Your spirit can also empower us in the same way to do the work of God we've been called to do. God's power over our self-efforts. And fourthly, this, it's faithfulness over pride. Faithfulness over pride. The early believers were gathered there and they were faithful to what Jesus told them to do. They were faithful. Go and wait. Go to the upper room. Gather there together. All of you sit in that room and just pray. Just wait. Be faithful. Do that. And you know what? That's what they did. They were faithful to that. They could have stood up and began to count around the room and said, boy, look in here. There's not a lot of people in here. Boy, this room is small. We don't have any money. We can't measure anything in here. But what you're going to discover is the early church, they didn't measure things by what they could see. They measured by what they could not see. And God began to work through their faithfulness. And I've said it over and over the past few weeks that when you and I stand before the Lord Jesus, he's not going to say, well done, my good and successful servant, my well done, my good and this and that servant. He's going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. What Jesus asks of the body of Christ is simply faithfulness. Faithfulness. And much of today, of much of the church today is measured by things that are not considered faithfulness. It's measured by numbers. It's measured by a sense of how many people, how big of a budget, how great of a building, all of those things. But listen, that all is foolishness to heaven. When you and I stand before Jesus, he's not going to say uh, to me, uh, Charlie, you were a pastor for so many years and your congregation was this size and you had this much budget. No, that's not what he's going to say to me. What I am accountable for is, was I faithful? Was I faithful to the work that God gave me? And in that, what a relief. Every pastor in America, I wish they would hear that today. Because what a relief it is. Someone asked me a few days ago, I ran into them. They asked me and came at me with some uh, hard questions. <laughs> they said, what do you think is the most discouraging thing as a pastor? And I said, wow, that's a deep question to ask in a Starbucks. <laughs> but I got to think about it. I said, you know what, honestly, this is, this is genuinely from my heart. I said, honestly, I don't deal with discouragement much. It's because I've learned. I used to deal with discouragement a lot because I measured everything by how the world measured it. I measured success by how the world. I looked at numbers. I looked at statistics. I looked at all of those things that I could see with my eyes. But the day that the Lord helped me and gave me grace to walk away from measuring things by that and started looking at faithfulness. I said, as a matter of fact, what I used to be discouraged about, I became encouraged about because I measured it by faithfulness. And now when I look across the congregation, I look across the global church, I see people who are faithful to the Lord, loving and serving him. And you know what? All I know is that Jesus promises to reward that. And by that, I'm encouraged. I'm strengthened. I'm helped when I see those things. And that is what Jesus shows us is that he measures faithfulness. Measuring things and comparing things. Listen, all of that, it's just given to puff us up. 
It's what the Tower of Babel, that's the problem they had. They said, let us build a building so that we can make a name for ourselves. That's what the Bible says. It's in there. Go look at it. They said that we can make a name for ourselves. So God, Bible, the Bible says that they looked down and said, we've got to fix this. This is about to be a problem. They knew Lucifer fell from heaven because of that problem. So we've got to go down and scatter that. And so the Lord came down, scattered them all across the earth, divided up their languages because they were centered on pride. Faithfulness, you'll notice, is that when you get focused on faithfulness to the Lord, is that the things of the flesh begin to be crucified. Because you learn that it's not what it's in my flesh that matters anymore. It's serving Jesus. It points us back to Jesus once again. It's faithfulness over pride. As the musicians come. Prayer meeting is wonderful. And we need prayer meeting. But even that has a slight tendency that if God ever began to work or do something in our prayer meeting, that we begin to say, oh man, God is doing, or, or prayer meeting is this, it's that, it's this, it's that. And we begin to make something out of prayer meeting. That in and of itself can become an idol. But when we get to the point where the early believers did, and when God began to do wonders and miracles and signs, it wasn't about a particular service that was great. It wasn't because Brother Peter he spoke in such an eloquent way. Thank God for that. We needed that. No. It was because Jesus is wonderful. And the most important thing that you and I can get out of prayer is this. Jesus over everything. Jesus over. Why do we pray? Because we need Jesus over everything. The early believers knew that. That if God is going to do anything wonderful in that church, it was going to happen. Through praying people. Mark chapter 16. The Bible says as Jesus ascended, went to heaven. The Bible says in 16 and 20 that the disciples went out and preached everywhere. And the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs that accompanied it. The Lord will confirm the work when it's about him. The Lord will join a ministry that honors him. The Lord will bless a ministry. The Lord is glad to do signs and wonders in the body of Christ, in the church that says, no, it's about Jesus. It's about the Lord. It's about pointing him. When the, when the body of Christ can get to the understanding, when, when Pastor Charlie can get to the understanding, it's not about me. And it's not going to be so I don't take it for myself and try to glorify myself or boast. That's the congregation that God says, no. I'll gladly come alongside and confirm it because that's the body that realizes it's about Jesus. It's not about the name on the, the door or the sign. It's not about the title that anyone has. It's Jesus over everything. Zechariah 8, 20 and 22 says this. As Jonathan Edwards and others began to preach about the importance of prayer meeting, they began to encourage congregations across the nation to say, Please come gather to pray. They said this verse right here. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Many peoples and the inhabitants of the many cities will yet come. And the inhabitants of one city will go to another and say, Let us go at once to entreat the Lord and seek the Lord Almighty. I myself am going 
and many peoples and powerful nations will come to Jerusalem to seek the Lord Almighty and to entreat Him. That's how prayer meeting works. When there's a group of people who are gathered together that say, no, it's, it's presence over presentation. It's encounter over entertainment. It's God's power over our self-efforts. It's faithfulness over pride. It's Jesus over everything. That's the place where God can begin to draw people. Why would God entrust anybody to us that's not going to draw him to him, draw them to him? No, God entrusts people to our congregation and to the body of Christ where they can be pointed back to him. So that's why we pray. That's why we have prayer meetings. That's why every week we say it's the most important meeting of the week because, oh, it's not just about really even the prayer meeting itself, but it's about our hearts and how it prepares our hearts to be in the right place. And all of that to say this morning, you need prayer. I know there's a group of people here today that believe in prayer, that know and have experienced the power of what happens when God's people pray how God comes and blesses and works and give grace. Will you stand with me this morning? This morning, as a, just as a commitment to that, we're going to be a, a house of prayer for all nations. If you feel led this morning, just feel like you need to, would you come and just stand here at the front this morning? Just come and gather here today. We're going to be a house of prayer. We're going to be a church that, yes, we have a prayer meeting. We don't always know what, what's coming tomorrow or what's planned out for the service or planned out for next week, but we know that Jesus does. We don't have the answer to change anybody's life, but we know that Jesus does. So we look to him. So, Lord, this morning as we come to you today, Lord, may we be a house of prayer for all nations, Lord. As we come and seek the Lord and we encourage others, I myself am going. May you draw people to come and find you. It's not about the service. It's about you, Jesus. Draw people. Draw people to you, Jesus, through the hearts of loving people who say, Jesus, we just want you more than anything, more than entertainment, more than a presentation. We want you, Jesus. We want you, Jesus. And in your own way, would you just begin to talk to Jesus? Call upon him this morning. Pray for the brother or sister that comes to your mind today. How the body of Christ needs this moment of prayer. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. express your love to the Lord this morning in your own way. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we need you, Lord. 
Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We praise you, Lord, today. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, neither has entered in the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them. But God has revealed them to us by his Spirit. And so, Lord, as we wait upon you in prayer, Lord, we know, Lord, and trust Jesus that you're going to direct our steps, Lord. You're going to provide for us, Lord. You're always going to make a way, Lord. Vehicles, bills, all of those things, people, Lord, you're going to provide, Jesus. So, Lord, today we wait upon you, Jesus. We need you, Lord. We need you, Lord. Oh, Jesus, draw us to you today, Lord. Draw us to the place of prayer, Lord. God, may you give us a fervency as a church to pray, Lord to seek you, Lord, to put our eyes upon you, Jesus. Lord, give us a fresh heart of fervency and faith to know, no, we're going to wait upon the Lord. We can't even act until God directs us. We can't even move until God shows us the way. So, Lord, lead us today, Lord. Lead us, Jesus. Lead us, Lord. Come, Lord, help your people today, God. We know encouragement and strength will come from your presence as we pray, Lord, as we look to you, Jesus, as we acknowledge, Lord, we can't do it, Lord. God, help us to not be propped up on our own strength, but to be propped up by you today, Lord, that you're going to help us, Lord. You're going to strengthen us as we pray, Lord. You're always going to provide, Lord. You're always going to make a way, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Help us, Lord, to learn the principle of leaning on the Lord and acknowledging you in all of our ways and you will direct our paths Lord God we thank you today God thank you Jesus for what you're doing in prayer Lord thank you Jesus for how you're helping us and strengthening us Lord we praise you Lord today and God we don't wait with nothingness we wait with expectancy that God your spirit's going to come and your Holy Spirit's going to empower Lord even the least of us to do the work of God Lord we might have not had any talent or training or nothing that can work for us but your Holy Spirit will help us Lord that with nothing Lord you can fill us up so that we can preach the gospel and you can confirm it with signs and wonders Lord oh Jesus confirm the work here with signs and wonders Lord we thank you today Jesus we thank you Lord today Jesus we bless your name this morning Jesus we love you Lord we love you Jesus worthy is your name worthy is your name this morning you need prayer would you just raise your hand right where you're at whatever it is and as you raise your hand, would a brother or sister near you just come and put their hand on your shoulder and begin to pray for whatever it is that you need. God, just begin to strengthen my brother, my sister, to the right, to the left of me. They need your grace today, Lord. And oh God, how you have led us to be a house of prayer, Lord. So Lord, today, it's not a house of perfection, Lord. It's not a house of everything's right. It's a house of prayer, Lord. That even our brokenness we bring to the house of prayer. Even our problems we bring to the house of prayer, Lord. It's not a place where we've all got it together. It's a hospital, Lord. It's a place where we come and we intercede to the God who can make something happen, who can 
can do wonders among us. So Lord, my brother and my sister who needs you today, Lord, we lift them up to you today, God, that you'll work in their life, Lord. You'll strengthen them, God, that you'll work on their behalf, Lord. If they need healing in their body, Lord, we pray today, confirm the work with a healing in their life today, Jesus. We pray today, God, that foul spirits would be rebuked, Lord, that through the divine power we bind every stronghold and we destroy it through the authority of Jesus this morning, Lord. We thank you today, Lord. And God, we call out to you today, transformation and salvations today, Lord. Those who need you in their lives today, who need to be set free, Lord. Lord, you're the one who has the power to release the spiritual chains on their lives and give them liberty today to set the oppressed free. So in Jesus' name, would you set them free today, Lord? Release them today, God. Lord, others here today are lacking provision, Lord, but your word promises us that you shall supply all of our need according to your riches and glory. So Lord, this morning, we pray, may you provide, may you meet their need, Lord. Provide for them food, provide for them a home, Lord. Provide for them shelter today, Lord. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, today. We bless you, Jesus. We bless you, Lord. We need you, Jesus. We need you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We bless you, Lord. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, today. Thank you, Jesus. need Jesus today oh just call his name he's just a call away lift up your voice say Jesus I need you Jesus I need your salvation today I need your forgiveness Lord change my life Lord oh how I've wandered in unbelief Lord for so long Lord but Lord today help my unbelief that I might believe again Jesus come this way Thank you today, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, today, Jesus. Jesus, we thank you, Jesus. We worship you. We worship you, Lord. We worship you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I want to invite the choir to come. today if you have the testimony that God has answered a prayer for me would you just lift your hand to the Lord this morning I know I can look back in my life something I prayed for God answered it and for those of us today who are wondering why pray just take a look at every hand this morning we serve a God who answers prayer oh you're the God who does the impossible today Lord we thank you Jesus we bless you as we sing this morning, I want to encourage you, just continue to call the name of Jesus today. Call his name today. Lift up your voice to him. 